Superhouse, the podcast that Batman fans are raving about. Bob Kane would surely give them a solid 10 plus. Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, brought to you by Superhouse. This is once again the man who knows too much about Batman. This is Ben. And I'm here with... Oh, I see old Uncle Crazy. Welcome to the basement. Let's have some cookies. This is Wolfie. And it's me, Andrew, your faithful co-host. I can't wait for this fire to rise. (laughs) (laughs) So if it wasn't already obvious what we were going to cover, we have finally made it to the end of the Dark Knight trilogy. It took a little while there in the middle because we were a little occupied with quarantine-related stuff. But we're back to finish off the Dark Knight trilogy with The Dark Knight Rises. Comics versus Nolan. You waited for it, and it's here, everybody. Prepare thyself. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is actually a very important movie in Superhouse or Superhero Stuff You Should Know history, because this was actually the first Batman discussion. Some would say it's the most important movie. Yes, because it was the first Batman discussion that Andrew and I ever had, way before this podcast ever started. Yeah, so, I don't right. know if you knew that, Wolfie. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we were nice. co-workers, and that was right around the time when the movie came out. And uh, we were both anticipating it. 2012 was a hell of a superhero movie year, because it was Dark Knight Rises and The Avengers. Oh, wow. And the yeah, same thing. Right. And, so Yeah, that's right. I had a panic attack watching The Avengers. It really? Was very lo- it was intense, the end of it. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I had an. I when I drank a monster, I went right after work, and I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of tired. I never drink monsters, and I got one, and I was in there. My heart was beating out of my chest, and the ending was so intense. I had a panic attack. Did you have a surge too? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Do you remember those commercials? Don't say surge. You're about to wreck shit up in here. Where is it? Dude, my brother acted like it was fucking ambrosia from the gods. Like, are you serious? It's not that good, is it? <laughs> Which one of you fucking assholes drank all of my Surge? People still talk about Surge, man. Well, I guess it's, it's out there places, up. too. There are, like, small markets. Anyway. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, man. Well, it is the Dark Knight Rises edition of this. and uh, Brought to you by Surge. It's brought to you by Surge, obviously. <laughs> the Dark we'll have a little Knight Surge Surges. In- Type in Johnson's Ballsack into the surge.com. Get your free <laughs> surge. <laughs> surge the sack. That's the new keyword. Oh, That's the wow. new keyword, bro. <laughs> All right, 10% back to off. This might be, this is definitely the most controversial Batman movie out of the trilogy. Look, and I just want to say right now if you've listened yeah. to this episode, please hashtag us with Surge the Sack. <laughs> <laughs> we will be following. We will be t-shirts, that, t-shirts yeah. to come. We'll be putting yeah. that in the uh, in the Instagram promotion for it. <laughs> yeah, so this is not only the most controversial movie of the trilogy, but arguably it's the most bat- relevant Batman movie of 2020. Bruce Wayne social distances himself for eight years, grows a quarantine beard, doesn't get a haircut, the villain wears a mask that covers his mouth, shuts down a football game, people are cut off from resources, National Guard is sent in. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is like very relevant to today. So... Not only do we have to finish off the trilogy, but also, like, this is stuff that seems to be relevant themes 
Back in yeah. 2012. Aren't uh, there, like, the cops fighting a bunch of people in the inn in the streets, too, actually? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. Literally, you literally got Joseph Gordon-Levitt being like, don't shoot me, to that uh, that dude on the bridge. Oh, my God, dude. This yeah. movie's prophetic. Guys dressed in all black. <laughs> so this is, <clears throat> you know, the the movie to watch in 2024, Batman. But it's also, like, one that we, we will continue the whole discussion of comics versus Nolan, where if you guys aren't familiar with what we've been doing here with the other movies, we basically break down parts of the movie in terms of how did it compare to the comics, and we sort of vote in terms of which do we prefer, Nolan's creative take on it or the original source material that it's based off of, uh, give or take. So uh, just a quick recap, Batman Begins, uh, the movie won out by one point, and The Dark Knight, the comics won out by one point. So... We'll see what happens with The Dark Knight Rises, and at the end, we'll not only have a verdict on The Dark Knight Rises, but we'll also have an overall verdict for the entire trilogy. Okay, yeah, that's good. Can't so. wait. Nice. <laughs> Don't watch these movies. Don't watch these movies. <laughs> yeah. They suck. Just, just listen to us. Yeah, Ultimate comic book dude here. Just saying. <laughs> Worst movie ever. Comics rule, movies drool. <laughs> no, just please stop, stop me from talking. Right it's now. different from the comic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, as usual, we're just going to do a quick deep dive into the actual influences before we go into start the movie, like we did with Begins and The Dark Knight. Uh, one of the things oh, to bring yeah. up is the development of the movie. This was a difficult movie for Nolan and Goyer to come up with who's going to follow up Heath Ledger's Joker. And the studio had an answer, and in alternate universe we could have had this. David Goyer said the studio wanted it to be the Riddler, and they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to be the Riddler. I remember this. I do yeah. remember hearing about this a lot. Yes. And I think it's just because DiCaprio had just been in Inception. So they're just like, yeah. well, Inception already has, you know, Ken Watanabe. It's got all these people who are alums or other people that no one likes working with. So, like, maybe just use this guy who's already a star. And to be fair, like, there were a lot of fans at the time who were excited for the idea of, of Riddler being reimagined. Because the, with Dark Knight, it was we had just left off with Batman taking the blame for Harvey Dent's crimes. And so they're just like, well, what if the Riddler, the fan-written version of the third movie, was kind of just like, well, what if the Riddler was, like, an FBI agent who was investigating Batman and ends up getting, like like obsessed with drowning after him and turns into the Riddler and coming after him. That so, which sounds cool. great. Really? Yeah. I, just that premise. I like yeah. it so far. Which sound, it sounds awesome, but unfortunately yeah. that's not what they, they went with. They definitely wanted somebody who, uh, instead of like Goyer had talked about how Batman had matched wits with the Joker, but they want somebody who was like an actual, like a monster, like somebody who could be a physical threat and according to a uh, friend of the podcast, Andrew Farrago, when he co-wrote the book, uh, The Batman Definitive History of the Dark Knight, uh, 80th anniversary book last year, the first villain they considered was actually Killer Croc. Oh, man, we should have done that. That would have been nuts. <laughs> I wonder that how they would have awesome. approached that. Yeah, I know. I mean, he what probably... What said they chose me? Yes. <laughs> Some skin disorder. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. I mean, in the comics, it's supposed to be a skin disorder, but then okay. later on, it just gets more and more ridiculous. Where you're just like, "This is not a skin disorder. This is a full-on mutation. Yeah. You have def- sharp teeth yeah. and a tail." I definitely would prefer like a more humanized take of it mm-hmm. uh, than like the Arkham games kind of go way over the top with the teeth and the size and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like even the the one in Suicide Squad, uh, right? I mean, they didn't go. 
yeah it's easy I, for, to remember it's easy to forget that he was actually in that but yeah it was still too much it's a little too much on the mutated side i'm glad they went with practical makeup as opposed yeah. to cg but it's the little, movie still was a too much, silly yeah. enough to kind of that could pass but yeah for like a yeah. nolan film it would have been mm-hmm. it would have been interesting to see how they approached that but i could see why they went elsewhere the best spoof on that is in Lego Batman movie where Killer Croc like turns something on. He's like, I did something. And then he swims <laughs> off. <laughs> I hit him with a rock. <laughs> but yeah, oh, obviously man. they didn't think Killer Croc would work in this grounded universe. And so they went naturally with the other more monstrous character who fits in a lot more to the Nolan world. And I can't really blame him for this, which was Bane. Uh, now, funny enough, the actual influences on them weren't necessarily they didn't really cite comic book influences for this they actually cited a lot of literary and cinematic influences for this movie which made it really interesting and uh trust me i read everything that they recommended uh and watched everything that they had uh previously viewed in preparation for this ah movie. yes a tale of two cities Indeed, it was the yes. best of times it was the worst of times <laughs> the worst of times <laughs> the worst of times uh, yeah, so the tale of two. This is why. So here's what's interesting is that this this came out right around the time of the Occupy. Remember the Occupy movement? Oh yeah, Occupy Wall Street yes. in 2012 or something. So people thought like, oh, this movie's made in reaction to the Occupy movement. Turns out that's this was written before that was even happening. It just kind of fell into place, which is also mm-hmm. kind of how it weirdly parallels this year too, where it's just like this is not something that's based off of a particular event. It just speaks to the cycle. There's an unfortunate right. cycle of, of, right. of everything that goes on. So Tale of Two Cities sort of inspired the idea of, oh, there's going to be this big revolution, this cultural revolution, this class warfare element. And that's in mm-hmm. a lot of their other influences. One of the cool. main characters was also a prisoner. And then, of course, the the biggest – I mean, the, there's a few characters who are named after characters in Tale of Two Cities. But the biggest thing is is the ending where Gordon quotes Tale of Two Cities with the whole, it's a far, far better thing that I do than I ever done. It's a far, far better rest that I go to that I've never know, ever known, uh, which is right out of Tale of Two Cities when uh, that character makes a sacrifice. So uh, Jonathan Nolan was once again the co-writer on this, and I'm going to have you guys do his quote Ooh. on the influence of this. Uh, is he from England? He's from Actually, Chicago. Yeah. It's weird. Isn't Chicago, Chris Nolan? Right? Chris Nolan is from England, but his brother is American. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They have completely different accents. They almost don't even seem like they're related, even just looking at them either. It's weird. Yeah. All right. So Jonathan Nolan, who's like Chicago board, said... So I'm sitting here eating my my Chicago dog and wondering myself, or actually something I said, Chris and David started developing the story into... I'm turning into Peter Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) Chris and David started developing the story in 2008, right after the second film came out before the recession before occupy wall street or any of that rather than being influenced by that i was looking to old good books and good movies good literature for inspiration what i always felt like we needed to do for the third film was for lack of a better term go there all of these films have threatened to turn Gotham inside out and to collapse it on itself. None of them have actually achieved that until this film. A Tale of Two Cities was, to me, one of the most harrowing portrait of... 
one of the most harrowing portraits of a relatable, recognizable civilization that completely folded to pieces with the terrors in Paris and France in that period. It's hard to imagine that things can go that badly wrong. I'm Jonathan Nolan. This hot dog's good. Go Bears. <laughs> Bravo. Go <laughs> Bears. Woo. That was John and Nolan, everybody. We got him just to say that on this podcast. <laughs> Great. Great. Hi, so, guys. See you later. Supposedly, Jonathan Nolan's original draft for this was 400 pages long, according yes. to Chris. Oh uh, <laughs> you like the long the bloody pages, how do you think way? we're doing here? <laughs> Which <laughs> Every other line was, remember the time? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Every it was supposedly 400 pages long, which could explain wow. why there's a lot of holes or so, as we'll, as we'll explore uh, in the story, or things that feel like they're they could have been developed more. Uh, Bane's story completely cut, almost right, like almost entirely. That's they said there was so much shot in that hole. I guess we'll get to it, but I remember right, hearing yeah. like there was like a fucking shitload of Bane's stuff cut out. Yeah, I've got a few things on that one. We unfortunately cool. that's not till like that's not revealed till like the end. So uh, oh. you guys are just gonna have to wait until. Did that, that original <laughs> four hundred page script become available in any way? Or I wish or, it did. Right. I really wish it did. Yeah. So, so I'd be yeah. curious to see what was actually in there. But yeah, Tale of Two yeah. Cities apparently was a big influence. Uh, also, you might remember some of these movies from film school guys. Uh, a few older movies. So one of them is The Battle of Algiers. Uh, supposedly right. was the battle sequences and the overall scale of it, according to Wally Feister, the uh, cool. cinematographer. Uh, also, Sidney Lumet's corrupt cop film, not Serpico, but Prince of the City, which is like a lesser-known version of a similar story, uh, which that. stars Treat Williams. Uh, it is a very similar story about uh, police corruption, again, very mm-hmm. relevant to today. Mm-hmm. And uh, Treat Williams was the main character, and they actually tried to get him in the movie. Uh, but ironically, Treat Williams was already playing a cop in an NBC drama, or it was NBC or, or Lifetime or some other. It was it was short lived, but it was called Against the Law, and he couldn't do it. So that's when they got. I'm pretty sure it was the same role that Matthew Modine ended up playing, who was uh, Deputy Commissioner oh. Foley uh, later yeah. on. But uh, he never really said who it was. But I'm guessing that's who it was, just based off of his age and and the, the type of actor he is. So that was one, and then uh, some older classic movies. One of them being the Fritz Lang '20s silent classic Metropolis. Oh, not yeah. related, not related to the Superman's Metropolis, but this is even before that happened. I'm pretty sure that Metropolis in Superman was named after this. Movie. German, this German expressionism film. We we were taught this in film school. Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. is like when people talk about German expressionism. Th- it's like this is the film. It gets mm-hmm. brought up quite a lot. No, and there's I, th- like I think this you're iconic, thinking of. Is that it's, that's it right? The house of Dr. Caligari is the, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Cabinet. Wait, of Dr. Caligari. isn't Metropolis German expressionism? Metropolis it is, is yeah. isn't it? Is it? Uh, I would we have say to, it is. Yeah, it's I'm, in I'm like a similar style. It's in a similar style. The Tropical Stone was indeed urged representation as the zenith of German Expressionist cinema. cinema. Oh, is it? My bad. All right. I mean, you're right, too, but this is like, I think Metropolis is more well-known than than Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I would say the German Expressionist trilogy is Metropolis, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and Nosferatu. Nosferatu, yeah, for sure. And, yeah, all three of those films, super famous. And what's that, that one scene where the dude is like, He's moving like a big gear or something. It's like I don't know that shot you see all the time. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically another idea of big class warfare, cultural revolution type stuff in it. Uh, I gotta watch then, that. 
yeah, Metropolis was <laughs> maybe I've never all, seen it. All the it way. was also yeah, it, it it is one of those where there's a bunch of movies in film school, or you just learn about. We're just like, oh, I've seen that, and then later on you rewatch and you're just like, oh, I I didn't actually see this. I don't remember this at all. I got to tell you, I was bored out of my mind watching this shit when I was like twenty <laughs> twenty one in film school. But I feel mm-hmm. like if I watched it now as a guy that's almost thirty six, I'd be like, all right, silent <laughs> movies. I kind of get it now. To, to yeah. stay focused on. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, this movie was also an influence on Batman Returns because the look of the inventor oh, in the yeah. movie, Rotwang, has the big uh, silver hair that looks all crazy, and that's what that was the look on Max Schreck in Batman Returns, who was also named after the actor in Nosferatu. So German right. Expressionist was like a big oh, yeah. influence yeah. on previous Batman movies, and so now, once again, in this whole cycle of different influences, now it's back. Huh. Um, and then the last one was David Lean's Doctor Zavago. Uh, yeah, again, another that, thing yeah. takes place I've never in seen Major that. Revolution. That was remade in the eighties too, I think. They did a remake as well with like Keira Knightley or something. It was oh, really? For, like TV, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the the David Lean version is the is the classic one. But all of these, like Metropolis, Doctor Zavago, Tale of Two Cities, these are all like ideas or playing around with ideas of like this big cultural revolution, and that's what they really wanted in this movie. For whatever reason, because when you actually get to the movie, it's yeah. kind of just like, oh, uh, like, we really just want revenge on Batman. <laughs> I'm like, right, right, right. I don't right. think we really needed this at all, but okay. Uh, it's a cool idea. I just felt like it was, uh, this, this movie just, this and Dark Knight, I feel like they just, they threw in a lot of ideas and themes um, yeah. as much as they could. Uh, and in some ways, it, it it comes together in Dark Knight better than it does in The Dark Knight Rises. And we'll get further into that as we get right. deeper into the movie. But right. uh, for me, this is like I I, re- I watched all these movies and I read Tale of Two Cities in preparation for The Dark Knight Rises. And uh, man, <laughs> made you even more disappointed. Me, well, made me even more disappointed. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Think about it. I yeah, because like I spoiled myself with a Dickens novel and cinema classics. And then, <laughs> and then right. I go in, and then it's just like this is like junk food in comparison. But right, 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 right. <laughs> the comics that we'll be comparing it to, though, the the major influences it feels like are uh, obviously The Dark Knight Returns, which is like an influence on every single Batman movie ever, uh, post eighties. Yeah. Uh, so obviously the whole idea of Batman coming out of retirement. Uh, so influence on Burton, Schumacher, and obviously would be for Zack Snyder. Next one would be Nightfall, which is the one where Bane breaks mm-hmm. Batman's back. Um, and then the next one is Cataclysm slash No Man's Land, which is the whole idea of Gotham getting cut off from the mainland, uh, mm-hmm. which I teased in our episode with Zach Brown because that was kind of the next installment. We'll definitely do a deep dive on that, but that is probably my favorite long Batman arc ever. Right. Uh, and we'll get into mm-hmm. why when we get to that episode. Uh, one of the other influences cool. was one in an episode we already covered with Zach Brown, and that was uh, Batman Legacy, the one that dealt with Ra's al Ghul trying to spread a virus around, which obviously wasn't in The Dark Knight Rises, but was was in The Dark Knight Rises was the whole idea of Bane being associated with Talia and Ra's. And so mm-hmm. uh, Legacy, its prequel Bane and the Demon, and its sequel Batman Bane, those are all had some sort of influence on it. And then we, the last one... We covered when Bane has been associated with League of Assassins before this movie, right? We talked about that in the previous yeah, episodes? In, in yeah, that, in that episode, yeah. In, in yeah. the comic I just mentioned, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the last one is one that wasn't really... It's one that fans bring up, but it wasn't one that no one's ever really acknowledged, and that's the cult. 
Uh, it's a lesser-known comic, but mm. it does feature Gotham under siege, does feature Batman being psychologically broken down, and I'll, I'll go deeper into that when we get to those scenes, but those are the, those are the major comics. Do you um, like that? Have you read the Colt one? I've read the Colt, yeah. I've, I've read all these. It's okay? It's, it's good. No, oh, it's it, good. It, it, Is okay. it reasonable? Really it's reasonable. reasonable. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's reasonable. It's okay. It's okay. Sensible storytelling. Okay. Not a whole lot of violence. <laughs> I would say out of my favorites, No Man's Land is probably the top one. Uh, yeah. Followed by Dark Knight Returns, and then probably followed by The Cult. Um, oh. Nightfall is good, but it's kind of just gets more and more complicated, and half the story is following somebody who is in the Batman suit but isn't actually Batman, which is okay. John Paul Valley. I wanted to bring up because you you, just, you said something about Bane breaking his back just a few yeah. minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> just a quick personal thing about this movie. After <laughs> uh, my dad and I did not see, I, I mean, I saw it in the theater, but my dad didn't. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. go home to Atlanta. We watch it like on a Christmas break or something, and we're watching it. And the whole time he's just like, "Who's Bane? Who's Bane?" <laughs> Because he's only familiar, really, with the classic villains. <laughs> right, yeah. And then... <laughs> Where's and, the Pharaoh? And then he keeps saying, why do they keep saying, the Batman? You know, and he's, like, confused by that. And then, <laughs> like, I'm watching him, and I'm waiting to get to the part where he does the back break move, because it's, like, iconic move, right? Mm-hmm. And awesome, yeah. they do that in the movie. My dad, he's... he's It's uncanny when he how he does this. He's done this with other movies, too. He turns around completely to get a drink that exact second <laughs> that exact fucking second i rewound it i was like we, you got it we got to go back you you, you, you miss we, yeah. you, we'll go back like 10 seconds but it's just amazing how you do this <laughs> that's awesome yeah <laughs> so does he not believe in the pause button like uh i mean he he only turned around like for a, a s- second but it was just at that precise back break moment <laughs> Some kind of like negative, deep, uh, like res- reaction he gets to <laughs> resolute storytelling. It's so- it's something. I don't know what it is. It <laughs> it was it was just it's uncanny, dude. It's uncanny. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's dive in into the the movie, starting with the big prologue that I think we talked about in previous episodes, which oh, was yeah. the prologue that was attached to the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol movie. Where we walked in, we're like, "Yeah, we're gonna watch the Dark Knight Rises prologue." And then as we, we were watching, right we were out. like, "We were like, this is how Bane said." I didn't understand the goddamn word he said. Yeah, oh, only ooh, thing I could talk ooh, about. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Terrible. It was the they re-edited the voice, or I, they re-ADR'd it, or they re-edited somehow uh, before the movie. So the the audio is different. It's a different cut, really, of the prologue. Uh, than it is in the final film. You got to think, Tom, Tom Hardy to probably recorded the entire movie with that first voice. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming he did the entire. Well, yeah, obviously he did the entire thing all <laughs> over again with this wow. voice, yeah. way, way, way after the fact. You know, by the time we're yeah. seeing a teaser in the in the theater, they've got a mm-hmm. film. You know, yeah, yeah. in the yeah, in, exactly. on their hard drive. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? On several of their hard drives. Anyway, but yeah, just just yes. like yeah, that that voice was found way late in the game. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. It's one of those like that and the and the Christian Bale Batman voice. Where I'm just like, you didn't realize how this might come across. Yeah. Like yeah. at all. Like it didn't really cross your mind. Nobody said that. Like, you have an entire team of people on this, and nobody said, you know, this doesn't really work right now. So, yeah. whatever the case was, 
uh, we start off with a film where the three men in the back of a van that heads to the plane that is being led by Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Oh, yes, that's right. The worst CIA agent in the world. Because yeah. it's on three masked men without actually checking any of them and what they look like on here. Oh, wow. I, have yeah. this, I have this one chance to get information out of you as a CIA agent. If I took your mask off, would it hurt? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously he didn't get any of his little finger skills from Game of Thrones. But this uh, character, this, the CIA agent, just as a side tangent, he's become a YouTube meme. Oh, really? Th- there are videos of, like, the continuation of Bill. Like, he has his own name. His name is Bill Wilson <laughs> in the novelization. So he's got this whole saga. Some people try to do slash fiction with him in a love story with Bane. Like, it's, it's this whole thing what? online. <laughs> it's amazing. Nolan Yowie. <laughs> oh, man. They even re-edit, like, interviews with, with the actor Aiden Gillen. And he's just like, you know, like, this is such an amazing movie to be part of. And then, like, in the background, they, they just have him scenes from Dark Knight Rises, even though it has nothing to, the actual interview has nothing to do with it. And he's, like, talking about his character and just, like, he's a deep, he's, you know, he's lost his kid and everything and, and obvious stuff that's not part of it. But it's, it's, everybody <laughs> has at this love affair with that character and it's amazing. That's it's, weird. Um, I did not know that was happening. Yeah. Um, and then another character that we meet is uh, Bane's second in command called Barsad. Uh, he's played by Josh Stewart, who is the villain in Punisher Season 2. Uh, but Barsad is actually named after a villainous character in A Tale of Two Cities. Ah, uh, okay. So he's the one who tells the CIA agent, like, hey, we got Bane, we got the man in the mask, um, type of thing. Um, who, speaking of which, we meet almost immediately after. So Bane, uh, apparently, Tom Hardy was the first, last, and only choice uh, on Chris Nolan's list for this character. Uh. And Tom Hardy almost was not able to do it because of Mad Max Fury Road. It was only because Mad Max got delayed that he was freed up to do this. Oh, sure. Uh, wow. Which is cool. Uh, was there yeah. any uh, was it was it like based on Bronson at all and how like you know I and I don't know if I, I'll have to look this up but I'm I mean you wouldn't sure. want to typecast the guy or anything you, know, but, you wouldn't but, but I'm see sure what he's capable of I gotta look this up but I'm pretty sure Tom Hardy was like you know you cast me because of Bronson right and then Nolan's like I haven't seen Bronson so oh, really? you don't like my movies <laughs> I remember I, reading about how his like workout regimen I believe Nolan, I could be wrong, but Nolan was like, we don't want him to look like Mr. Olympia. He has to look like he's been doing prison workouts. Mm-hmm. So cool. that's, and fair, obviously yeah. did a bunch of that for Bronson. <laughs> so they arrested him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, not, look, I'll look that up before the next the next episode, but he yeah. did pack on a good 30 pounds for the role. Jeez. Uh, but I got to admit, when, he, when they first announced he was cast, they didn't actually say who he was playing. And oh, really? Wow. everybody was hmm. like, it's got to be Bane because of Bronson. And I looked up his height, and I'm just like, this dude's shorter than Christian Bale. There's no way this is going to, like, I get, like, he's buff in Bronson, but, like, there's no way he's going to be Bane. And Bane's supposed to be Latino. And then, like, later on, Isn't they're like, that... he's Bane. And I'm like, never mind. I was wrong. <laughs> Isn't that so funny how short actors are? <laughs> it's so I find it's it hilarious. hilarious. Michael <laughs> Keaton is really fucking short. Yeah. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of people. That's, that's look, another what, reason why people like five, six? casting. He's, he's like supposedly five, five ten. He's like five eight. But like, see, he was supposedly five ten, but I'm sure he's actually shorter. <laughs> yeah. And seeing the bat suit, the the screen used bat suit next to people, it's pretty mind boggling. Yeah. Whatever. But yeah. yeah but Schwarzenegger's uh, only like Tom five eleven. Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. not even six yeah, feet. Damn. He seems huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously huge, watch. but. Find they, it managed, hilarious, they managed to but. not. They managed to make Hardy look pretty imposing, considering because mm-hmm. like there's other pictures of him just walking around, 
just shirtless and he doesn't look as impressive just but the, well, you know a lot of this is lighting and camera angles and and everything so it, he put his all into at least bulking yeah. up and, and looking yeah. the way they wanted him to look uh but yeah. our first no problem there he, he, was, yeah, he was exactly. good in the way you like the whole Josh like Berlin. hold your own jacket lapel move while yeah. he's walking is super badass you know he's got so. style he's yeah. a rapper and for a little while he's got flavor man you know, there is a shot of Roz doing a similar grab the lapel thing in Batman cool. Begins. Oh, shit. So Sick. I'm not sure whether or not that was a conscious decision to mimic that or if it was just a nice mm-hmm. coincidence that he and Liam Neeson had the same choice. But kind of shows the, the Roz will go influence if you, mm-hmm. if you want to read into that. That's cool. Uh, I do. <laughs> and I do. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Bane. The first competition we have here on Comics versus Nolan is... Oh, yeah. The, obviously, they did a reinvention of the look, just like they did with Joker. Uh, in the comics, he's got this luchador-type mask uh, with, like, big red eyes on it and mm-hmm. has, like, this big black tank top. Uh, and uh, in the actual design for it, uh, costume designer Lindy Heming uh, talks about other influences. If you look at Vade in the comics, he's wearing a wrestling mask and a wrestling suit. We couldn't possibly do that in the kinds of films that Chris Nolan was making. I drew hundreds of drawings of that. Sitting with Chris, we ended up deciding that we were going to cover his mouth. Just like I always do with Tom Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) I looked at the mouths of spiders and baboons when they snarl. And that's how it started to get the feeling of the metallic pipes coming down in front of his face. Perfect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. So they, they obviously reimagined this based off of those influences, but in the comics, the, the mask, the back of it has these openings for the tubes to feed him the venom uh, directly to his skull so he can bulk up. In the movie, it's a little different. There's no venom. There's no steroid-type element, but it, it's basically an anesthetic that feet that he breathes in to deal with the pain. Based is that what it's supposed injuries. to be? That's mm-hmm. what I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's why that's, I, that's, yeah, they never explain that shit. When you yeah. ask him if it if it hurts, and then he's just like, it would be very painful. Oh yeah, for that's you, true. for you, for you. <laughs> All right, so let's go around. Let's go around. Comic book Bane's look versus movie Bane's look. Let's start with uh, Wolfie. Well. Uh, <laughs> So in the comics, he's of like a Latin descent, right? Of like uh, correct. And I did want like you to go into Gu- Guatemalan or some shit. Yeah, like, and I did want you to go get into that because they did kind of erase that as well. In this, yeah, in but terms of yeah, what your exactly. Was on that. Yeah. I remember I was talking to somebody and they said that he was mimicking like kind of like a Spanish, um, gypsy kind of accent or like. I've, the word cotillion. Re- I got the right I got word. the name of the guy. I got the name of the guy. He actually based it off of. Oh, okay, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. So in, to answer the question, I I really like the movie. Even though the voice comes off as goofy, it's still great. I like the. We'll movie. do the voice later. Yeah, yeah. I like the movie version of it a lot, and I never really gravitated towards the comic version of Bane. Gotcha. Honestly, that's crazy. You're Latino American. This is. Yeah, nuts. I don't like to glorify Latino warlords. This is an up. This is some an Latino upset. heroes for once. Oh yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Turn the bad like, guy white. <laughs> in Mexico, they had a character named El Gato Negro, and he was like the black cat. Okay, so <laughs> more of that. Anyway, he was a hero. Ahead. Okay. All right. Wow. Um. Over yeah. Over to Andrew. Uh. 
shit. I don't know. Like, it is whitewashed, so we have to keep that in mind. But in right. the, I do not like that aspect of it. It does. It, it 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 doesn't really like. Doesn't ruin the movie or anything, but it probably would have been kind of cool if, probably would have been cooler if it was like a, a Mexican dude. I don't know. Actually, I yeah, mean, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. like the look of this Bane, but they should have left him. Latino, Latino, Latinx. Like, yeah, Latin. Uh, I mean, Tom Hardy did a great job with what he was given and and all that stuff. Like, I don't really like hold it against him all that much, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's again, like, I, I guess I'll go with comics. Not that I hate, mm-hmm. I don't hate it at all. It's just I'll, I'll go with comics. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go with comics on this one myself. Not necessarily because of aesthetic. I did originally when I first saw the image. I'm just like, you know what? I do actually like this reinvention better than I like the Joker reinvention because there, there wasn't really anything about it that went against, you know, what I really liked about the character. Like with well, the Joker, I liked the idea of him sort of looking less scary than he actually was, as opposed to being more on the nose where it's all scarred up. With Bane, I'm just like, eh, he looks scary in the comics. He looks scary on film. It's fine. Uh, but when I got into the movie, it was like, oh, the tubes aren't venom. The tubes are anesthetic for the pain, and they're right at his mouth. And if you undo the tubes, then he's just a weakling, which you might say, like, well, that's just like Bane in the comics. I'm like, no, that's not actually, because in the majority of the comics, he's barely on venom. He's in, he's, venom is actually a very small part of his story in the comics. And when uh, Azrael cut the tubes for the venom, that was like a quarter into the fight. Bane could still kick his ass. He just uses that to get the hit on the steroid. But if he doesn't have the steroid, he can still kill you. Mm. He doesn't turn into an absolute weakling, which is the problem with a lot of the different versions of Bane. So just for that alone, I got to give it to the, to the comic book version. Right. Yeah. So that one goes to the comics, it looks like. All right. Uh, and then we're going to continue more on other aspects of Bane. But before we go into that... Uh, Wolfie, I, I thought I would give you a chance to talk because, like, of the three guys, you're the Latino, you know, you're Latino American, and I know yeah. that there's like, well, he's a villain in this, and it's kind of the cliche luchador look. But on the other hand, they cast a British dude in this, mm. so like, what would you like? What are your views on this, and and if there was a, a another way that you would have preferred on here? Dang, yeah. In terms of that, I guess because I never had like the biggest interest in Bane as a character. Mostly because mm-hmm. I just don't know much about it, him mm-hmm. or his storylines, other than the Nightfall stuff. Yeah. Um, that I was just always like, eh, I don't really care. So when the movie came out, I didn't really care either because I was just like, oh, well, Tom Hardy seems like a good, sizable dude to fight Christian Bale. I didn't really even think about it in terms of like the quote unquote whitewashing angle right. of it. Um, I think, yeah, in terms of that, like, honestly, a good Bane would have been Danny Trejo. <laughs> That's well, a little too comedic, though. Thing, I think. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, he maybe he doesn't have the chops for like a Nolan picture, and I'm trying to think of who could be good. There's probably many good actors who could be. Trejo good, does do the voices in uh, Young Justice, so he does get yeah. to play Bane. Um, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Even even though he's not bulky, I mm-hmm. always really like the idea of Javier Bardem. Oh shit! Oh yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah. That voice. With that's voice, true. Voice from uh, No Country as Bane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's he, true. He's not. He wouldn't be bulky, but he'd be. Coin toss. Yeah, exactly. He'd, he'd be imposing, <laughs> at least in terms of height. Yeah. Like he would still tower over Bale. He might not you, be wide, it, but yeah. You know. He's tall, and, and 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 he's the type of guy that I think would put down that time to get that physique. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that's you know because it's like the prison workout kind of stuff. I feel like 
you'd be that would have been great you know and you could have still weaved in the the league of shadows somehow you know but mm-hmm. I, I suppose mm-hmm. that would also lead to some convolution as to why this spanish national is <laughs> dealing, <laughs> dealing with this more like european ninjas i suppose but you know yeah, exactly. gonna figure <laughs> it out. i it, it, in retrospect now it would have been really cool to see somebody take the role in that way but you mm-hmm. know, yeah. we have what we have and yeah we're still progressing. We're still progressing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're we're on the way. Yeah. We're on the way. But yeah, but, there was a lot of yeah. whitewashing in a lot of the villains because of the fact that like Rosal Ghoul was also an Irish dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Talia, who's supposed to be right. like at least half Asian in, in wow. the comics, is also French. So it's like mm, Right. I don't think this would ever happen again, especially this day and age. But uh, Yeah, that's yeah. true. Bane's voice then is the next part, which I, which sometimes I, I feel <laughs> I'm not sure if I should even put in here because it's not like there's voices in the comics, but I might as well put this in because there's nothing in the comics to indicate that his voice sounds. In like my that. head, there is. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bane. The the inspiration. <laughs> the inspiration for Bane's voice apparently came from a gypsy fighter named Bartley Gorman, uh, who mm. he. Uh, he credited in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, he liked the idea of he has the body of a very physical young man, but the voice of somebody who sounds older, and mm. that was the that was the reasoning behind that. Uh. But obviously, he doesn't have the the same type of accent as you would hear in the cartoon, because a lot of the cartoons they hired Latino American actors to do the voice. Mm-hmm. So they Arkham, he's also accents, got yeah. a got the yeah, accent, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, in all the video games. Yes. Right, so no it's going to, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he should have been uh, the KG Beast, who was pretty much the same type <laughs> yeah. of uh, character. <laughs> yeah. But whatever the case was, it wasn't KG Beast, it was Bane, so we're just going to go with Bane. So the, the in terms of saying comic book Bane versus movie Bane voice, let's just go with like, the perception of what Bane's voice was for the comic book one. But which do you prefer, the ones that you hear in the cartoons the view games or the this voice from and this is terrible <laughs> ah, my voice, voice here yes. <laughs> my yes, beautiful sir. singing voice of course yes. uh which yeah. do you prefer we'll start with uh we'll start with wolfie again um i now that we've been talking about it a little bit i picked my last pick based on the aesthetic because i do like the way that that bane looks but yeah definitely mm-hmm. i think i prefer the spanish or latino voice actors for the character um, and you know, I think I'm gonna go down a little bane hole. I'm gonna go into the bane hole. <laughs> bane hole. And wow. uh, okay. <laughs> oh God, what do I say? Things like that. What do you mean by the uh, bane hole? Well, I, I'm just gonna bone up on my ba- wait. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna learn more about. I'm gonna bane. bone up in the bane hole. Bone up. I feel on like the bane I owe hole. him. I feel like being uh, somewhat culturally connected to the character. I'm gonna learn more about Bane and get into him. I haven't given him a fair shake as a villain. Straight up bone so down on the, the Bane hole. I'm going with the tunes. <laughs> All right. Or or comics uh, by proxy. Right. All right, on to Andrew. Uh, I'm really going to base mine off of uh, the comic one would be, for me, that, that first one, I guess, in the first Arkham game, because he has, like, the Latinx accent. Right? Yeah, because right he's like, that? I will break you, yeah. and then yeah. the bruja, he says there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I I mean, this is, this is the thing. Like, that voice is obviously, like, some sort of white dude voice, too. So, you know, you can't really separate yeah. the race from the voice. So it's, I don't know, man. I mean, 
I, again, I like Tom Hardy a lot, and the voice is hilarious. It's kind of like iconic in a bad way now. I think, a funny yeah, way. I think it, in a it funny sticks way. out. There's, you know, it, it creates that distinction for like a Batman's rogues gallery uh, member mm-hmm. in, in its own way. You know, it's like it's it's goofy, but it, it I, now I can't even ima- really imagine the movie without it or, you know. I uh, know. It cannot it, unsee at this point. Right, because if he didn't do right. that, yeah, if he didn't do that, then we wouldn't have gotten the spoof the great yeah. the greatness that's in the harley quinn show yeah that's oh it. yeah <laughs> is that my chair <laughs> um so I, I i don't know i really like tom hardy's one but uh, i might have to just go with the other one by default comics right. by yeah. default and i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the comics too because just the idea in my head well part of it is in my head but also just in general like it's just not the voice that you hear in the comics and it just always felt like a very strange unintentionally funny voice and to pair that with bale's strange and unintentionally funny batman voice in the same movie was again unintentionally hilarious so with this one uh, you know i can't help but keep thinking about how it would have sounded with somebody like javier bardem's voice uh, mm-hmm. to talk about breaking Batman and how scary and frightening that could have been if they could have made him as frightening as he was in No Country. And yeah. something like that would have been amazing and an amazing representation of the character in the comics. So, once again, my vote's to the comics. Nice. Okay. That's All another right. point another one. comics. Let's see. Other aspects. We can deep to... fake it and pull. <laughs> oh, man. God, if only you could deep fake voices, too. Trejo Bane. <laughs> or or Bart M. Bane, and you just see his eyes yeah. under that mask in the movie. <laughs> I wonder if they can do deep fake on a mask. Yeah, so yeah. a character wearing a mask. Yeah, pro- you mean, would have, have to do that in the voice. Yeah, you would. You would have to use some. You would have to use compositing effects or something to just like isolate where the eyes are compared to where the mask is in the movie. If you I can deep fake the t- the part, like obviously the part of the face that's not covered, and then dub in some no country lines on that. That would be amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How much have you ever lost in darkness? <laughs> Friend amazing. Some ridiculous uh, thing. See. A couple other things before we go to the break uh, on this plane sequence, but just like how the Dark Knight took the Skyhook idea from real life and in the Bond movie Thunderball, this opening also comes right out of a James Bond movie. Uh, Can I just license- bring up, we are still at the plane. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we are like 15 minutes into this fucking movie. Uh, we're getting the, we're getting well, the character set up. We, you know what I realized? <laughs> a lot of these comics versus Nolan things are front-loaded because I got to go into each one of the characters, oh, which yeah, takes yeah. a while. And then like usually we speed up when we get further in the movie because there's no new characters to talk about. <laughs> okay. So that's why. But yeah, we're still in the plane sequence, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um so the Timothy Dalton Bond movie, License to Kill, also features uh, a plane overtaking another plane and that plane being turned uh, basically inverted. Um, so Nolan kind of may have been inspired by that. Considering he's such a huge James Bond fan, you know for a fact that he's seen that movie and all the other yeah. movies, mm-hmm. so yeah. that's likely an influence. Uh, the other thing to bring up that was very confusing to me in the prologue and then was mind-boggling that they got away with this was the idea that they're, they're doing this whole plane thing in order to steal that Dr. Pavel guy who's like in charge of the whole nuclear mm-hmm. bomb thing and they're just like just to fake his death we're going to transfer his blood into another dude and I was like yeah but that's not how you actually identify a body you use <laughs> dental <laughs> right. records you're not going to check anybody's blood 
to see like who is this man? We just is did that it what because they we doing? thought it was funny. Yeah. That's what they were doing, yeah. Because then later on, they're just like, oh, he's supposed to be dead because like, we what? found the, the identified his body. I'm like, that's not how you identify bodies. So this is very similar to like the stupid bullet scene in the yeah, previous really one where I'm just like, that's not, how, over that. that's not how bullets work either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Thoughts oh, wow. overall on... Oh, by the way, he says, yeah. they expect they expect one of us in the wreckage, brother. Like, what was that all about again? Like, they, he wanted to... Like, his brother's making a sacrifice... Sacrificing himself for this whole cause. He wanted him to sacrifice yeah. himself for the plane, but I don't. If it's on record that there were three prisoners brought on, I don't know what they mean then. By they expect one of us in the wreckage, wouldn't they expect three people in addition to the FBI agents and Doctor Pavel in there? Yeah, I, the thing is, like this whole thing. Just to break this part down real quick, it's just like I like that part, even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Just because it kind of points to this kind of the like League of Assassins cult like mentality, and like that people are straight up willing to sacrifice themselves for this greater cause, whatever it is, you know, just to see. It's it's weird. It's like if Gotham breaks down, then the whole world breaks. It's like there's if the League of Assassins is is plan is is like supposedly world changing, and we were the ones that sacked Rome. Actually, that was uh, what's his name said that. Not that was Rosalind, but Rosal yeah, still. But like, there's yeah. these big worldwide things. They're so they're so world international focused, but they really focus on Gotham most of all. So there's something special about Gotham, I guess we could say. And I don't know. I just think that there's something there, and I can't wait to go about it in further detail, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so this is about the blood thing. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, the fire rises part. Fire rises. Yeah. He says that, and they they expect one of us in the wreckage, brother. Uh, yeah, just, again, just like just there's something going the, the culty yeah. kind of thing there. I do like, but it doesn't make any sense plot wise, and that was probably cut out some of that stuff. To be quite honest, you could cut out this entire prologue, and the rest of the movie would still make sense. Yeah, because they talk about who that doctor dude is anyway. You don't have to worry about That's any true. of the stuff about why did he let them on and not identify the the people who was who were under the black hoods. Like, <laughs> they like, spent too much on that sequence, bro. They no one they just wanted to. Like, no one just wanted to destroy that plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be to be fair, to, well, yeah, and he's doing it again in Tenet. But uh, oh, to be shit. fair, yeah. I would I would feel the same way in a little bit with the Dark Knight because the the thing is the bank robbery sequence in the beginning of Dark Knight it, it's it's great to watch. It's a great intro to the movie, but also if you cut it from the rest of the story. You don't really lose anything. You don't. Right. There's like no major plot thing that True. happens. You Even get like the, a bit of a philosophical kind of nod, but yeah, you're right. Right, which gets developed later. But then, like, I would even argue Joker's entrance in the in the boardroom with the mobsters, where he's like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Like that. That was a better entrance, in my opinion. But Simpler. the thing is, like, the the bank robbery is so enjoyable anyway. Even though there's a few holes in that too, like you kind of excuse it as opposed in this one where I was just more of like Bane's voice at least when I was watching the prologue in Mission Impossible I was like Bane's voice isn't understandable the blood thing doesn't work the guy let them on and we have no explanation on that like there's just so much stuff that already didn't work for me in the opening that I was like okay maybe they get explained later in terms of how this my works. popcorn is soggy yes also like <laughs> even if they did like this blood transfusion that doesn't change every single droplet of blood in your body well that right? too yeah yeah that's that too <laughs> or i'm just like that that's, that's stupid so like nobody thought about this <laughs> yeah the, the, it's always like there's probably aspects of that that were rushed or or, or whatever right you think 
Yeah, they had again, like time, maybe they supposedly had a four hundred page draft, but I'm just like, it, was there going to be a twenty minute sequence of Batman trying to do some sort of forensic blood work on stuff? Like, what? I don't know yeah. if they were going to cover any of that stuff. <laughs> and then it's like, this isn't the guy. <laughs> After like a half an hour. <laughs> After we already saw that it wasn't the guy anyway. Oh, Take the shit. audience down a forty minute detour. <laughs> yeah. He's detective-ing right now. Yeah, it's detective mode. But yeah, that is the opening sequence. And with that, uh, I'd say it is time for us to break. We're only about five minutes into the movie. (laughs) This is a perfect start. But yeah, after the break, we will go deeper into uh, the rest of... The next five minutes? (laughs) The next five minutes. That's our When they land, when they crash the plane. (laughs) Catch you after the break. Hey everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into, or uh, import game, please go to RetroCo.com. That's Retro-KO.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to RetroCo.com, you can also go to Facebook.com slash RetroCo with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European. Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Superhouse discount. It's a kerfuffle if I ever saw one. This is Dustin Lee Massey at Dustin Lee Massey from Instagram, and you're listening to Superhouse. And we're back to part two <laughs> of The Dark Knight Rises, part one. All right, so <laughs> we go, we're finally out of the plane sequence. We're like one hour into this episode. We're out of the plane sequence, and we're now into the Wayne Manor party that we will spend the rest of this episode on, where uh, we yeah. get introduced to a whole bunch of other characters, uh, one of them being. Uh, a congressman played by actor Brett Cullen, who would go on years later to play Thomas Wayne in Joker. Funny enough, mm. when Brett Cullen played Thomas Wayne, he never had a scene in Wayne Manor. <laughs> but when he's not playing Thomas Wayne, one of his main scenes is at Wayne Manor. So I thought oh, that was shit. kind of ironic. Um, other characters that were introduced uh, real quick, uh, I mentioned him earlier when we were talking about Treat Williams and who he might have been. Uh, playing, but uh, Matthew Modine is introduced as Deputy Commissioner Foley, who is potentially based off of a, of a cop named Foley in the No Man's Land arc that I talked about earlier. Um, there's not really a lot of similarities between the two, but uh, it is worth mentioning that that's probably a comic book Easter egg. Uh, some of the bigger yeah. characters introduced, though, were uh, the villains or the, the sub-villains. So we got uh, Ben Mendelsohn, Pre, I al- like, by the way, I always thought of when I hear Foley and Cop, I think of Beverly Hills Cop. I know, right? <laughs> dun, Next dun, series dun, of Deep Dives, folks. Should have gotten Eddie Murphy. Should have gotten Eddie Murphy to cameo in this. I do love Eddie Murphy. 
so before he was Krennic in Rogue One or uh, the Talos dude in Captain Marvel, Ben Mendelsohn was in The Dark Knight Rises. And it's sometimes easy to forget mm-hmm. that because of, it was kind of a thankless role. But You think plays... money gives you power over me? <laughs> Be careful Bitch. not to choke on your aspiration. Oh, wait, that's the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they John... both use breathing things. <laughs> yeah, no, right. just kidding. I'm sure there's some YouTube edit where somebody dubs <laughs> yeah, that in. Bane, Bane, Vader voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Or they, or they switch it, or they switch it. Bane's <laughs> voice is coming out of Darth Vader. But yeah. whatever the case, uh, he plays John Daggett, who may be inspired by Roland Daggett from the animated no, series. Yeah. And Roland Daggett is the. Uh, the businessman dude who's responsible for the birth of Clayface. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Daggett. Yeah. His, oh god, I love. Yeah. Clayface. He was he was voiced by Ed Asner, in the uh, original mm-hmm. animated series. But they didn't. He was never a comic character. He was just exclusive to the cartoon. Yeah. Uh, but in the in the movie, I guess they decide. Uh, he's a corrupt businessman. Let's have him do another corrupt businessman dude. So like they just took the name Daggett. They didn't take Roland for whatever reason. They just said that. Eh, I don't know. Maybe Roland was not realistic enough of a name. I don't know. Whatever the case was, they named him John Daggett in this, and he barely has a role, but it's worth noting. Uh, and then the last character who's introduced in this is the worst-kept secret of the film, which is Miranda Tate, a.k.a. Talia al Ghul. Baby girl! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, hubba, hubba. before you guys saw this movie, did you already know that that or figure out that that was probably going to be talia or was this because it seemed like a big thing in terms of internet speculation <laughs> but if you weren't already part of those things you might not have really thought about it i knew for sure i i really don't think i knew this was the first yeah. batman movie where i was kind of like getting to be part of like the internet conversation I right think. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like even mm-hmm. 2008 no, wait, when did Dark Knight come out? 2008? 2000, yeah, 2008. Yeah, 2005, yeah. 2008. Yeah, so 2008. I don't think I was quite there yet, but with this, mm-hmm. yeah, I was kind of following it a little bit. Get read so. up on the comic. Yeah, yeah. so it was it, it was kind of like, oh, she plays uh, Miranda Tate, and everyone was just like, she's Talia. <laughs> like, <that> was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I am dumb. Online. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, if you're going to just repeat the same twist from the previous movie at least in like batman begins they it was like oh i'm ducard and ducard was like an obscure character in the comics if you google ducard in the comics it would say he's the guy who trained batman so you wouldn't really think that much about it but like miranda tate i'm like really you're gonna do the same thing (laughs) my my favorite part was when miranda tate said gotcha bitch you guys remember that part (laughs) gotcha batman i do remember that that was also (laughs) yeah that was great (laughs) <laughs> and then she uh, roller skated out of there <laughs> with Harley. Talia, it was yeah. weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hmm. uh, Talia serving as a corporate businesswoman actually is not something that's unique to the movie. In the around the time of Lex Luthor being president in the comics, he couldn't keep running LexCorp at the same time, so he appointed Talia to be the Whoa. CEO of LexCorp. Um, so that was interesting, but she was secretly planning to undermine him the whole time, and Not that's that a whole robot other deep woman dive. that that was in Justice League or whatever, Batman vs Superman. That robot? You mean Mercy? Mercy? <laughs> She's robot, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to say that anymore. The actual term is cyborg, I believe. Cybernetic organism. You need sensitivity training, bro. Cybernetic organism. Tissue over metal endoskeleton. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a cybernetic organism. (laughs) Skynet. Yeah, and then 
we find out that Bruce Wayne has been social distancing for about eight years, social distance <laughs> champion, before it was even a thing, before the social distance was even a term. And he is not only retired from being Batman, it seems like he's retired from being Bruce Wayne. Uh, so that connects a little bit into The Dark Knight Returns, where he had been in retirement as Batman for about eight years. This was uh, like the first so. point in the movie, other than like this plane stuff. I don't th- I don't think you get like the plane problems that you mentioned. I don't think most people got that first time they watched it. But when a lot of fans, when they see... Bruce Wayne cooped up for eight years. It was like a signal to a lot of Batman fans. It's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not. Gonna, this is maybe not going to be the best Batman movie. Yeah. It was not set up in the previous movie at all. Because at the end, he's like, because he can take it, says Gordon. I'm like, well, apparently he can't. Take That's it right. That's right. Quit. It's an epic <laughs> ending of him running in the fucking gutter away yeah. from a you know some crazy shit, and he's like, not what they want but he's what they deserve it's like incredible deep shit going on and mm-hmm. now we cut to him with the fucking social distancing beard and right. with a limp that he doesn't <laughs> want to fucking fix come yeah. on dude it's just too and, sulky but, too sulky but when he actually does fix it it takes like two seconds he's like, it's, exactly here's the thing that lucius gave me i'm like really eight years later okay right yeah. so lazy batman <laughs> There's some connections here to The Dark Knight Returns. Both versions of Bruce Wayne grow out their facial hair post-Batman because they don't have to worry about the chin showing and the mask anymore. Uh, Bruce himself is doing some Oliver Queen-type cosplay here because he's got the goatee and he shoots a bow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so right. looks like a fucking pirate. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, and then, let's see. In the comic, he hung up the cowl because he lost Jason Todd. And uh, they, the government passed an act that banned superheroes. In the movie, it's somewhat similar because he lost Rachel Dawes in the previous movie. And then they passed the Harvey Dent Act, which was cleaning up the streets. So this is our next thing in right. terms of Collins movie. We have two different takes on Batman slash Bruce Wayne's retirement. Which do you prefer? The Dark Knight Returns type of retirement where he got old, Jason died, and the government banned superheroes. And he just decided to, to quit for 10 years. Or the version that's in The Dark Knight Rises where he's still in his 30s or so, but he decided to quit even though he's supposed to take it. And um, the Harvey Dent Act passed and uh, he has an injury suddenly. So which do you prefer, starting with Wolfie? Um, I think that definitely the comics over this one. I feel like it would take everything possible to stop. I mean, we hope that it would take everything possible to stop Bruce from wanting to be Batman. We wouldn't have Batman, you know, and and we've you've gotten to gotten to the heights of losing Jason Todd or, and having his back broken. The Jason Todd arc makes so much sense because of like the sheer gravitas of losing essentially his 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 surrogate son, you know. <clears throat> and it's like the tables are turning, so there's that drama there. But yeah, in terms of the movies, I just always wondered why they did that. Um, yeah, I, it's it's uh, not the the lazy Batman like I was saying, but it's definitely lazy writing. Boom! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> prefer the comics. Yep. All right, on to Andrew. Okay, so people go through depression, long term depression, but mm. this still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks, dude. Like this decision, not good. I, I maybe quit for like a month. I don't know. Like I don't know what the what time limit I'd want, but it's just, or maybe him like 
consider quitting, like have a mm-hmm. real crisis of faith in the bat moment, you know, but not really actually quit. You know what I mean? So I think that w- something like that would have been better. Or and if the prologue was just Bane putting him out of commission for eight years. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. And, and what's, what, what's worse is like what Ben said. It's it got seemingly no connection at all to the other one. And I, maybe we can chalk yeah. it up to Heath Ledger dying. That really fucked up their plans. Who knows? But it's still like arguably you, you should have like the best writers in Hollywood you know, like you have two mm-hmm. serious hits under your belt. Nolan's got a name, and it's just like this is what we you, you come up with. This is yeah. yeah. This element's not good. So obviously, comics. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with the movie on this one. What? Ooh. No, are you fucking kidding me? Of course I'm gonna go with the <laughs> comics on this. Dude, you We're got such suckers. Me. You got me. I, <laughs> I have a whole rant prepared. I was just waiting. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. Okay, so I, I, as, as if I didn't make it a secret on this. Uh, to me, I haven't really said this out loud and I, and on this, but to me, people were, were just like, the Dark Knight trilogy is like the Godfather trilogy of superhero movies. I'm just like, yes, it is. In my opinion, here's how it goes. Yep. Slightly controversial, but in my opinion, the first one of each is actually my favorite because uh, it's got the tightest story. Second one is still good. Dark Knight and Godfather Part 2, but just a little long, just in length for me, and had some stuff that could have been cut. Slightly overrated, but I still like them. Dark Knight Rises is definitely the Godfather 3 of superhero movies, though. This is the most disappointing for me in the theater, probably even more so than Batman and Robin, because at least when Batman and Robin, I was seven, and I went <laughs> in expecting a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Here, it was like, where did this idea come from? So first off, he now has a leg injury, which was not planted at all. He was still able to run. He was kind of fucked up a little bit, as you if you watch the end of Dark Knight. But like, it's something that he's easily able to to cure afterwards anyway. So that gets thrown out the window. Second of all, you don't even need to have him quit being Bruce Wayne. Think about it. He quits like the, the stuff they talk about, where he's just like, oh, like the orphanage isn't funded it again. Daggett took over and took over like Wayne Enterprises type stuff, and Bruce Wayne's been a recluse. Who says that he needed to quit being Batman in order to do that? You right. could have done the same stuff, but he's Batman 24-7, and that's why he neglected all that type of stuff. You don't need to have him quit being Batman, especially because yeah. you're going to have him theme, quit being... themes of Bat, the Bat taking over everything in his right. life. Yeah, and that yeah. would have been a really cool theme, like, yeah. This movie yeah. starts off, he's retired and injured, then he gets out of retirement, and then he gets injured. So he has to retire again. Then he gets healed, and then he retires again. So it's like, the, this is why I nicknamed the movie Batman Quits Twice. At the time, because he does. <laughs> he yes. twice in this. Really, they, they fix his leg with that, with that one quick way. They fix it, and then they also like you know do a fucking karate kick to his back to fix his back too. Like, <laughs> yeah, come like, on, man, is, this is lazy, they, dude. This is lazy writing, especially in comparison to what was before. I mean, we poked holes in the previous ones, but it wasn't nearly as big as this. Also, last thing, but what the fuck is the Harvey Dent act? They're just like, the Harvey didn't right. clean up the streets. I'm just like, right. what, you decided to actually enforce criminals? You decided right. to actually do your jobs? Like, they don't explain anything about what the Harvey Dent Act is supposed to be. It's vague about what it's supposed to be and how this was supposed to work for, like, eight years. And if it's based on the lie, quote-unquote, it's based off the lie of Harvey Dent. And I'm just like, well, not really. Harvey had nothing to do with it. They named it after him. Him right. being two-faced yeah. doesn't actually neglect the law because he didn't write the law. 
or any of that. So that doesn't make any sense either. The only chaos that comes about from that being exposed comes from Bane. It doesn't come from people losing hope because of learning about the truth of Harvey Dent. So the whole ending of Dark Knight doesn't go anywhere because the truth of it doesn't lead to any consequence. Or if it does lead to consequences, it's convoluted because the consequences were caused by Bane in the first place. Uh, so there's that. And then this whole eight-year bullshit is never justified. You could have just been like, oh, it's been eight weeks. So yeah. Right, right, right. And the right. story wouldn't and, be any different. And that would have shown how shitty the crime has gotten as well. <laughs> we yeah, exactly. Batman after <laughs> fucking eight weeks? Come on. Yeah, like, doesn't it also... Like, here's another... Yeah, it's also weird that... I'm tweeting Gotham Christian is, Bale right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's also weird that Gotham is all cleaned up. Release the bail cut. Batman. Yeah, release the bail <laughs> It's weird that that Gotham is now clean without Batman's presence, and then this is the time that Bane decides to strike. It's like, no, don't go after it with the Joker to take down this terrible city. Take it down when it's clean. I'm like, yeah. why? If the whole point is to take down corruption and everything, why would you hit at that time? What the hell well, have they Bane, been doing? Bane's for eight got like years? religious fucking like near religious cult reasons though, so I don't know. It's uh... true, but. They want to they want to sack Gotham like they sacked Rome, you know. They want to steer humanity in some fucking direction for some reason and Gotham's at the central point. It's still all weird though. Yeah, Ra's uncle dies in Batman Begins. Maybe a year happens until Dark Knight and then 8 years Bane waits 8 years to enact this plan. Yeah. He couldn't have hit yeah. it anytime sooner. So like that does there's none of this stuff actually they, works. They, they need an explanation for the timing, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, again, why couldn't it have been eight weeks? There's no reason why it had to be eight years or so. So none of that shit works, but obviously we're hands down voting for the comics on this one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right, moving on to the... Okay, we actually did make it out of the, the Wayne Manor party. Let's <laughs> continue. <Yeah. laughs> Six minutes. <laughs> Technically, Batman's still retired, but we're getting there. <laughs> he he, he needs to on. go see a comedic doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll cover that. We might have to cover that next episode. But <laughs> right now, we have one more character who was introduced that I didn't talk about, which was the quote-unquote the maid who comes to deliver his food, who turns out not to be a maid at all. And that's, of course, Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, or Selina Kyle, as she's called, because she's never formally called Catwoman in the whole movie. At most, she's called that's the cat. Right. Nolan uh, had something, and again, this is because I was reading this shit at the time. He was like, mm. I couldn't have somebody purring on screen. They had to be a femme fatale kind of type. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's his like, first mistake. Purring would have got him an Oscar. <laughs> you have a movie where the guy's called Batman. You can't say Catwoman. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Really? He was. It's just weird. Like it's. It's like he made some of the best decisions, Nolan. You know, but him not being a comic fan, he just like didn't get other really you know uh base things about it yeah yeah and at this point he was probably a little disenfranchised by the experience of working on him after Heath. that's honestly my theory is that this was kind of just like hey i'll do this last one if you guys let me do it yeah you guys let me you guys let me do whatever the fuck i want with interstellar and dunkirk and tenant like you know yeah i'm doing this for to get creative control on other stuff because that's honestly how it feels. It feels like a lot of the stuff is phoned in, at least on the mm-hmm. creative side, and the, the people who are giving it their all are all the newcomers. Yeah. Tom Hardy's Bane, Anne Hathaway, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who we'll get in later, but like those are the guys who, who are putting in their all. In terms of the actual writing and everything, it's just like this is nobody thought to bring this stuff up. They were just like, all right, yeah, this makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, in here, apparently, yeah, Nolan was hesitant to include Catwoman until his brother convinced him, uh, pitching the idea of her being a con woman, femme fatale type, which, again, that's already built into the character, so I don't know why you needed right. to have that pointed out. Uh, but yeah, they, they did draw off of Batman number one. Once again, that was not only the first appearance of the Joker, but also the first appearance of Catwoman, where she was just called the cat, and she didn't wear a Catwoman outfit. She was actually... Um, in disguise the whole time as an old woman as a house uh, cat as a no, as a house cat <laughs> <laughs> there's a panel where and this is horribly dated but there's a panel where batman rubs the old woman makeup off of her and he's like quiet or papa spank and i was like <laughs> what God. they are in bdsm 1940 uh, yeah. i think as long Christ. as it's a safe space i encourage yeah. their experimentation yeah i believe but, we all know who wrote those lines Yes. <laughs> Big His Daddy name Kane. is Bob Kane. Bob Kane. <laughs> yeah, so in that one, it was Kevin is over, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was over a necklace, uh, and Batman was able to see through her disguise and recover the ne- necklace, which is what Bruce eventually does. So it is slightly influenced by Batman number one. Uh, but Anne Hathaway had to kind of fight for this role. She was one of many who auditioned. So I looked into... None of these actresses have really commented years later, but um, these were who were being reported by Deadline in terms of meaning for the female leads of this movie. And I kind of have a feeling who was for Talia and who was for Catwoman. But they said uh, the people who auditioned or were considered were Rachel Weisz, uh, Naomi Watts, Kira Knightley, Blake Lively, Natalie Portman, Jessica Biel, Gemma Arterton, Charlotte Riley, who I think is Tom Hardy's wife, and uh, Kate Mara. Uh, now I have a feeling out of those, Rachel Vice and Naomi Watts were probably for Talia, uh, just given really? that they're a little older than uh, the okay. others who were up for Catwoman. Uh, but everyone else is probably for Catwoman, just because, just given the age range. And Dude, Kira Knightley, I could totally see as a Catwoman type. I could see. Honestly, though, when the, the list came out, I was like, it's either going to go to Hathaway or Knightley. I just had a feeling yeah, like no one would yeah. go towards them versus, uh, like, Blake Lively. I was like, there's no way he's going to cast Blake Lively in this. But right. then again, he also cast Katie Holmes, so I'm like, eh, maybe he would. But in, in general, I was just like, not when it's up against, like, Anne Hathaway and stuff. Um, this was reported recently, but Anne Hathaway originally assumed that she was being asked to play Harley Quinn. Oh, because... Wow. They're like, look, the Joker is gone, so they want me, and I'm kind of known for being like bubbly and comedic, especially because this was like post Oscars with James Franco and everything. So uh-huh. they're like, oh, he just wants me to be the Joker. So she came in in like an outfit that was like all stripy and stuff, and had flat shoes, and was giving Chris Nolan all these like crazy smiles. And Chris Nolan came in, and he's like, all right, so the role is for Catwoman, and she's like, oh shit, uh, okay, yeah, sure, sure, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm going to just say props to her for knowing who Harley Quinn was at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Very sure. true, because it wasn't – she didn't quite – she hadn't quite taken off. She didn't have her own comic line. Um, but I can't blame her for thinking that that's what they wanted her to play. I know uh, uh, Gal Gadot thought she was auditioning for Catwoman whenever she mm-hmm. was taken in for Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. She would have so, been a great Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Hathaway said that she looked back at uh, Heidi Lamar films. And Heidi Lamar is the one that Bob Kane claimed to have been the actress that he was inspired by when he uh, created, quote-unquote, I was staring at her through a hole in the wall. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought to myself, boy, that kitty's pretty. 
Anyway, she might go ahead. be an eleven broad. <laughs> but yeah, there she was trying to channel sort of the femme fatale from old school black and white uh, movies when she put, especially when she was in the the Catwoman suit, which we'll go into later. Uh, not a lot of comics versus Nolan stuff to go in right now because it was pretty much just a, a version of the Batman number one story, uh, but. We will have a plan to go over for the next character we have to talk about because right after this party where Catwoman steals from Bruce Wayne, we cut to the Gotham City Police Department rooftop where we meet the world's greatest detective in the Nolanverse. Not Batman, but John Blake, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, oh, right. because this guy yeah. figures out who Batman is just by a look. That's true. <laughs> the best. Uh, you're right. That's also lazy writing. The other thing I wanted to say real quick before we move on from this scene, sure. I always kind of felt like... Uh, Christian Bale was a little bit too... He should have been a little bit more tense whenever uh, Catwoman is holding his fucking mother's pearls. He's a little mm, bit... Yeah. It's, it's, he wants the pearls back, but I feel like the tension should have been amped up a little more. He's. It's like he almost... I don't know. I don't, it just seems like he cares less about the pearls than he should. He should have slammed her up against the wall and ripped them out of her hands. And then looked at her deep in the eyes, and then started to remove her clothing. And all the while, all right, Bob Kane—get out of here, Bob Kane! Yeah. Is looking. No, no. Listen to my pitch. No. You know what? I like what you're saying. I want you to keep going. Bob Kane's like the guy's future. like. Uh, movie's any good? Got titty in it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it ain't got she... titty, I ain't, I ain't paying for that. Does she have I all think... manner of feminine wiles? <laughs> Jesus. It is, though, I'll give it props in terms of the writing that this is, funny enough, when he's not being Batman, one of the few times where you get to see him as a detective and him figuring out that she stole the pearls and then later on trying to track her uh, and all that all that That's sequence true. is good in terms of detective stuff. That's uh, true. As a side tangent, I've never really talked that much about my opinions on Bale and everything, but a lot of everybody through the internet, he's like one of the most beloved Batmans, but to me... I think he was a great Bruce Wayne in the scenes of Alfred, you know, Michael Caine. Uh, yeah, it was real, those as, were always really well written. Those were always great. Um, as Playboy Bruce, he was kind of a douche and channeling Patrick Bateman, but that was more in the writing, not necessarily his performance. But as Batman, I'm kind of just like, I don't like the suit. I don't like the voice. And I don't mm. like his the way that he delivers a lot of the lines, especially with all the... Like it's almost like he was trying to channel the Adam West type pausing with the whole like the city showed you it's <laughs> yeah. full of people. He's like, God damn. Take, take a take a breather work. there, kid. Take a breather. Catch my breath. So like in my opinion, I'm just like I'm not a big fan of him in the actual as in terms of performance in the bat suit when he's actually Batman. I'm not a big Christian Bale Batman fan. I'm just I'm just not. And whenever I see people just like he was the best one, I'm just like yeah. most people make fun of his version. Like I feel like and the Nolan it's fighting. More, yeah, really and, and the Nolan fighting. Yeah, and I'm like, he's he's on the top because the movies, because of the movies that surround yeah. him. Yeah, if right. you put Ben Affleck in the same movie, same script. Oh my God. Oh Lord, uh, you might have to stop now. And he played the I same thing. Pass out. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> people yeah. would be saying. I'm the same really thing about all behind him. Affleck as Batman, even though yeah, we're yeah. past. But and look, I think I think Bale is a great actor. He should have gotten an Oscar for Patrick Bateman, honestly, years before he got it for The Fighter. But his actual performance in the movies, I've always found lacking. 
as Batman specifically the Bruce Wayne scenes with Michael Caine okay like he's good in those but like the actual scenes of him specifically in the suit I've always I've never been a huge fan of them and I feel like a lot of the reasons why he's on people's number one is because of the movies that surround him as well as other performances not his actual performance in the suit I agree and I want to say since you brought up Alfred I think this is Alfred's movie this is the best Alfred ever in my opinion I, I feel the most for Alfred in this in the third in the in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, well, it's definitely sure. the one where he cries the most. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's they give they, they, they give Alfred more to do, I think. I don't know. I I, I thought it was good. I like that he drinks Frina Branca. Oh yeah, yeah, he does bring that up in that scene, but we'll uh <laughs> we'll we'll get there when we get to we get to that it's part, a, but it's a digestif. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Very The>, uh, <laughs> what's the digestif? It's uh, something. It's like a little cocktail, or it's like a little drink you would drink after you eat your meal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like heavy, herbal, sweet. Uh, it like really helps to settle your stomach after you've eaten. Um, mm-hmm. So a digestif or an aperitif. An aperitif would be like a small little light, mm-hmm. cold, fruity kind of wine, maybe before you eat. With the salad. French have a lot of other words for foods that we don't use yeah. that much. Like there's yeah. the whole amuse bouche which is essentially a kind of uh, appetizer, literally to amuse the mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Get yourself a gosh dang amuse-bouche over there. <laughs> Jeez. All right, well, I've never tried the, the drink that Alfred Try mentions you'll, in it. You'll hear a lot only... of people call it Fernet, but it's Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. uh, Be My Lover? Won't you be my lover? Oh, yeah. You know, the 90s club hit? That was from a band called La Bouche. <laughs> the mouth. That's what your last name kind of means, doesn't it? Mine's just straight up a bush. Andrew Mouth. <laughs> I wish I was French. No, that's I'm, what just, led to this podcast. It's just English. It's just it's just literally okay, somebody yeah. fucking fucked a bush back in the day. I don't know. It was just it's a bu- it's just the bush. The plant You're descended from bushes. Yeah, nice. It comes from Moses when the bush was on fire. Mm, yes. All right, keep going. Sorry. All right, so uh, Bale played John, Moses. He did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Didn't oh, yeah. he? We brought it back Six around, degrees. baby. Yeah. We brought it back Speaking around. Of we planned this out. <laughs> Speaking of whitewashing, <laughs> exactly. It's not some fucking uh, Middle Eastern guy. It's, it's a fucking dude from uh, Liverpool, wherever the fuck he's from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Bale played Moses. But anyway. Hello, um, I'm Moses. I'm here he to played, save the people of he was, Israel or wherever he the fuck was Jesus it is. Jesus, too, at one point. And I'm actually. also yep. Jesus. Also I Jesus. don't have a complex. I think, yeah, so on to the next part. What, who the fuck am I talking about? Oh, yeah, John Blake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so funny enough, there is a character named Johnny Blake in Batman number 13 who gets his report card stolen by the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> that v- vile, vicious fiend. I'm like this. Was, honestly, I would have been cool if the reason why there was an eight-year gap was that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in grade school or like in school, and then Heath Ledger's Joker stole his report card, and he's like, ever since then, I've wanted to become a cop because he stole it. sort of a motivation. My only back A. Then. <laughs> I oh, wanted yeah. to show it to my mom, and then, goddamn, there's Joker nothing to pin it. on the Joker fridge. <laughs> I'm like, dude, if Joker stole your report card and you're still alive, you got off easy compared to everyone else in that movie, but okay. Um, but yeah, obviously, <laughs> if, you've, if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie, you know that Blake isn't just Blake. He is their, the Nolan first version of Robin because apparently that's his real first name. 
Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Robin John Blake, um, he does have a few connections, uh, somewhat loose to the Robin in the comics. Uh, John is actually the middle name of Dick Grayson. Uh, oh shit, Dick John. So there's so, something there. There's a little something there. Blake also kind of rhymes with Drake, as in Tim Drake. It's kind of loose, but yeah, I'm trying yeah. here, guys. Um, and then um, John Paul Valley. There's the John in John Paul Valley, the guy who takes on the the mantle of Batman when uh, his back is broken by Bane. Um, but I think the biggest one is that during a time where Dick Grayson first became Nightwing in went to Bloodhaven, he enrolled in the police department. And he was he was a cop. He was a beat cop yeah. as part of the police department, which they also covered in, in Titans uh, yeah. at that point. But that's that's likely where that comes from. Uh, but yeah, it, Blake is kind of a version of multiple different Robin over the years, I would say. Uh, but just real quick, what would you say in terms of comics versus movie? We got the comic book Robin, who's had his own history over 80 years or so. And then we got this sort of Nolanized, realistic cop version of Robin in this movie, starring with Wolfie. I think, uh, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt was a great casting for this particular type of role. I just think, kind of, with what you're saying about Christian Bale's Batman, and he's not like he's not a strong enough figure to be leading a team yet. I guess if he's giving up, you know, <laughs> at this point and. Um, mm-hmm. What was the question exactly? Sorry. Uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt Robin versus the Robin in the comics. Oh, yeah. Definitely pick Robin in the comics. I felt like <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt would have been a great Robin. Um, but then I think to have that dynamic work and to have like a strong narrative, you also need the crux of the 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 emotion of that character has to be tied to Batman. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like Batman or Bruce is in such a crisis right now just well we're in a crisis having to watch him get back into being batman all right <laughs> you know that it, it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for this like amalgamated robin to flourish which was kind mm-hmm. of a shame but you know good casting m- misuse maybe i prefer the comics yeah all right andrew i think the fact that you couldn't ask this question without even chuckling <laughs> says it all ben um i think it's gonna go with the gonna have to go with the comics on this one but I, I, I agree right. with um with wolfie that uh jiggles is always uh acceptable in my heart and uh <laughs> he was jiggles. in like he was in like 20 movies yeah man jgl during this jiggles. time yeah this is the big jiggles, this is the height like of it. his stuff yeah he yeah. was in he was in like fucking like 20 30 movies in one year at this time and he hasn't done mm-hmm. as quite as much since then but yeah. uh, and Anne Hathaway as well too. It's weird. Uh, but anyway, yeah, all right. uh, so yeah, of course, dude. This this Robin sucked. <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. I also think he's the MVP of this movie personally. In totally, terms of, like, he's the only one who's trying to like actually do shit. Meanwhile, Bale is just moping around in one manner. True. But then I, again, he doesn't how much suck. Is... I take it back. <laughs> yeah, but then how much of that is just because of the movie he's surrounded by? Com- like he probably sucks compared to the move the Robin yeah. in the comics, but compared to everything else in this movie, he's great. Yeah. Well, Terry yeah, McGinnis, uh, Terry McGinnis steals the suit in the first episode of Beyond. Right, and, like yeah. that's such great like character agency or whatever. Yeah. Like you know, don't ask for, don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what How I cool mean? How like, that have been if like Batman is not trying, and so John Blake is like, there's some obvious shit. And he yeah. steals the suit and he's Batman <laughs> for like a night, but then Bruce is like, nah man, 
Let me show you how to be Batman. And then they fucking right. take on the League of Shadows while everybody's Together. locked down. He puts yeah. him through the fucking uh, League of Shadows training on his own. He bestows all the knowledge. Because yeah. he stole his the suit. Art. His leg is fucked yeah. up. Bane's yeah. taking over. Especially in the third act. It would be and Robin's arc. Beyond. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> and Robin's arc is, you know, essentially to... Because he's getting a crash course in all this knowledge that Bruce knows. So there's that conflict of like, you're not good enough. You need to be better. And you mm-hmm. have this arc around the you end. You gotta live you know? up to him, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then leads into Bat Family. I don't know, but that yeah. Would, yeah, that would feel a lot more earned because, like, honestly, he has, like, two, three scenes with Bale in this entire thing, and then that's it. Yeah. Like, he does, there's not really any sort of character or relationship between the two in the entire thing. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, minus to the comics because just how emotional it is for him to take in under his wing this orphan kid. And by the time that Joseph Gordon Lovett shows up in this, like he's he's already a grown ass man. Yeah, it would make so, sense. It's why yeah. Chris O'Donnell worked, you know? And yeah, forty uh, <laughs> year old Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah, but he had, they at least still went through the whole like, oh, you're in Wayne Manor, you're part of my world, I'm training you, that type of stuff. Here and he's baby faced. Like, yeah, here in this one, it's just like, yeah, I'm a cop, and I know you're Batman, and uh, you want to be Batman again? No? All right, I guess I got to do shit. And then at the end, he's like, all right, I guess I'm Batman now. Like, there's no – they don't really have much of a partnership. This movie should have been John Blake Begins. Like, he it, goes through the training, yeah. and then Batman is Ra's al Ghul, but or, he doesn't turn evil. Like, Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that's, that's what I – if listeners who really want to go back to the backlog, there's an episode called Ben Juan and the Bat, and that's where I pitched the idea of a Nolan-versed Robin movie done right, where, because there's so much you can do with Bale passing on the stuff he learned from Liam Neeson in the previous stuff, but actually, like, doing it right and teaching him how to do it, and and being about whole, like, you know, I said I wanted to inspire people, maybe I have to be more direct about inspiring people in this, and and training this kid, and, and it would have gone full circle because you've seen this Batman start off in an origin movie and now you get to see him pass on what he learned. And mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to get that opportunity again, to be honest, because they're not going to want to do another origin thing. We're already skipping the origin and, and the Battinson type thing. So it's not going to, we're not going to feel that emotional cycle ever again. Mm-hmm. We don't have a chance to see that ever again. Uh, unfortunately, unless they some, at some point decide to do a, a TV show where that becomes to be part of it. But uh, you know, we've missed out on that. Uh, and also, I know we're not at the end yet where we reveal the twist on Robin, but the fact that his name is Robin is fucking lame. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> best way they uh, could reveal You should go it. with your first name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robin. What an alias. No, lady. I got beat up because of that name. <laughs> I, like, look, some people are just like, well, if it was just called DeGrayson or Tim Drake or something, you wouldn't know what it is. I'm just like, okay, I have a fix for that. If you really want to do Cop Robin... Right. If you if you're like, look, we already got Joseph Gordon Levitt. We don't want to cut him. We don't have time for this orphan thing. I think the way you do it is, all right, just go ahead and call him Tim Drake or something, because that's kind of who. Just name either Tim Drake or Dick Grayson, whichever one you want to go with. Right. Just be just be okay with that. And then later on, when Gotham gets taken over by Bane, Gordon's like, oh hey, we gotta call each other code names and stuff over the thing, and. Yeah he chooses the name Robin as that, and then maybe he has, like, a Nolan versus realistic version of it where he's got, like, you know, it's raining, so he's got the yellow poncho over, like, a red vest type of thing, and that's oh, kind of, nice. like, his version of it. Yeah. But that way you still get the idea of, like, oh, that's Robin in this because he goes by that. Co- but it's like a – you get the whole – you get your cake and eat it too yeah. sort of thing where it's, like, it's you get Robin in this, but it's the Nolan verse version of it, and you can tell by the colors that that's supposed to be him, but it's believable. He's not a kid. He can fight. 
based off his police training and maybe you get a few scenes of him and Bale's Batman fighting together and that's the closest we'll get to see to Batman and Robin on screen in the Nolan verse but to me yeah. that's like that's a more creative way to do it than just be like yeah and at the end we reveal his first name is actually Robin I'm like <laughs> how did this pass through anything like that is <laughs> audible gas in my theater che- though audible gas yeah and in mine and, and some laughs but in the back I mean in the back of my head I'm just like yeah I kind of figured yeah but oh, also my dad whenever know. he was going like yeah before the reveal he's like training him in the car like wear a mask and all that mm-hmm. my dad's like he gonna be robbed he's gonna be robbed <laughs> he gonna be robbed <laughs> I call, called it immediately <laughs> yeah yeah exactly he gonna be robbing he he's gonna be robbing it yeah. is at least nice that you do have that kind of younger detective good guy thing going at least like at the very least we did get some dynamic that pointed towards that within this trilogy mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, so they yeah, had at least had part of it but again this also feels like they just threw all their ideas against the wall there's like we want a cultural yeah. revolution and bane and the league of shadows coming back and also catwoman and let's throw in some robin in there too but let's do the dark knight returns and the cult and no man's land on top of that <laughs> okay, i'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did could have split this up into multiple movies if you wanted to or at least go with one thing that unifies it more but we got what we got but yeah so that's that's another reverter to the comics um i don't know i think movie might have might have a chance to win but so far it doesn't have any no, chance right now. not looking good <laughs> not looking good bro uh <laughs> going into then uh let's see the scene after that is the bat cave where bruce wayne is investigating the pearls again this is the most detective like that bale's batman has been in in the three movies which is ironic because he's not actually supposed to be batman right now um but one of the funniest things here is that there is a if you look at it again there's a blooper here where it's a headline about catwoman about the cat steals something from jewel heist and heist is misspelled what is it really it is it's h-i-e-s-t i I before eight wait wait what is it I, I before forget. E except after C. After C, yeah, exactly. And that's not after C. Wait. But H E I. Ah, H E I S T, yeah. yeah. And in 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 the movie it's H I E S T. I'm like yeah, nobody right. used spell check, I'm guessing, in the props wow. department. Like nobody caught this? Okay. Oh man. I I didn't catch that and I'm usually I usually catch that stuff. Well, I don't think I, I don't I'm not sure if I caught it in the theater, but I definitely remember people online talking about it afterwards. And I'm just like that just goes to show just how fucking careless this whole production was on Damn, this because I'm like, how can you even you even let that go? We we're still trying to figure out the whole eight years thing, eight years after this movie was out, and we <laughs> we got the heist thing, is now heist, heist, uh, heist. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Alfred then goes into this whole thing about, you know, I once had this fantasy where, you know, I went to Italy and you were over there and, you know, we would just look at each other. And what was funny is that... <laughs> just look at each other. We would just look at each other and I would walk away and that would be it. And uh, Give a little funny, wink. Give a little wink. The, the funny thing is, have you guys seen Goodwill Hunting? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I always felt that was a take on the same thing where Ben Affleck was just like, the best part of my day is going up to your door and thinking for five seconds that you won't be there. And then later on, he gets to fulfill that fantasy, which yeah. was then ironic when Ben Affleck got cast as Batman. Right, right, right. So right. I thought that was always an interesting parallel. But is I always kind of felt like this sort of just gave away what the ending was. <laughs> in the <laughs> When I was watching right. it, I'm just like, why obvious. would you do this? Right. Like, when I was watching this, I'm like, this feels random. 
you're definitely going to pay this off in some way. And then the moment I saw Alfred late at the end where he's like going into the restaurant, I'm just like, oh, he's alive. Like Bruce Wayne's alive. He's going to show up. He's going to fulfill the fan. Like we saw this coming. Like it's, it's not hidden that well. Like the, the thing about the, I mean, the fact that they even shot a whole fantasy thing on top of that, just so that they could parallel it at the end, I think made it even more obvious. Cause at least in Goodwill hunting, it, it just felt like, it fit the scene and you didn't really think oh they're totally going to pay that off later you just thought like oh man that's what his friend really thinks about him but in this one it, they just went all out I'm just like I'm not sure if you really needed that and kind of gave it away at the end in my personal opinion yeah I mean you totally ex- expect that to happen I was thinking mm-hmm. the same the same yeah. thing what I always hated about this though was everybody's like well everybody could see that Bruce Wayne is there I'm like okay we know who Elon Musk is and we know who uh, Branson is at Virgin. Like, we can sort of pick those out. And most people can't even pick them out, probably. You know? Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of billionaires out there, man. And he's in Italy. He's yeah, not in Gotham. But... So, I just... This is one point where I just felt like... I, I hated that, that nerd criticism where they said that, oh, he would have been spotted at outside at a restaurant. Well, like, not about... necessarily... What about Falcone being like, you're Bruce Wing, the Prince of Gotham. you got to travel a thousand miles to find somebody who don't know your name. Well, he traveled thousands of miles. <laughs> He's in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> it still holds up. <laughs> what about Rosal Gould then saying, the world is too small for Bruce Wayne to disappear? Uh, that's just him getting inside of his head, bro. <laughs> okay, alright I don't know, Fair I, I feel like I I mean, maybe you're right, maybe you're right but I still felt like it was I could, it's one of those points where I could kind of let pass, it's something that I can't let pass but I could let that one pass alright, we'll talk about the ending when we when we get to the end in oh, terms yeah. of opinions on that stuff we're jumping a little bit, but it, four months from now four months, yeah, uh, alright, so one quick thing after this is that uh, there's a scene after the Batcave where Catwoman meets with Another dude named Mr. Striver, who's, again, another... It's another name from Tale of Two Cities, but it's that that creepy dude, uh, played by Burn Gorman. Uh, But there's another character in this name, Jen, who is Selena's friend. And I believe that was a role that Zoe Kravitz was trying to be be up for. Uh, Which is interesting, because now she's Catwoman for the the Batman. However, she was not even allowed to audition for it, and here's why. Uh, She said, and this was before she was cast as Catwoman, she said, quote, in the last Batman movie, they told me I couldn't get an audition for a small role they were casting because they weren't, quote-unquote, going urban. Mm -hmm. God, I hate that urban thing, man. It's so a lot of that has been pointed out in this episode. Yeah, there's a lot of whitewashing in this movie. Yeah, It's just like... a Gotham City's based on New York. It's like it doesn't get much more urban than that, for one. And right. I don't know. Fuck. B. It's just terrible. B. It's just it's just terrible. All the time. right. Well, yeah. Other than Morgan Freeman, name another non-white person in this movie. Oh shit! L- Commissioner Loeb. Oh, no, that's last movie. He's dead already. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, really? There's not, Honestly, it's not really a whole lot. This whole movie is whitewashed. There's no white. There's yeah. no. Yeah. There's no people. Of Even the whole. Gotham. Like, look, I don't want to be like, oh, enhance the stereotypes or making all the looters and the Occupy or the all the revolution people, you know, more mixed with black people or anything. But you look in that crowd and majority of them are white in this movie. Mm-hmm. The quote unquote, you know, lower class in this. Uh, the, everybody's the all white. The fucking football team. That was it. <laughs> the football te- yeah, because that was an and actual football team. <laughs> yeah, that too. 
So yeah, oh, not yeah. looking good in terms of. I mean, this, I'm I'm just saying this would never have happened these days. Like these days, if you're going to bring in Ra's al Ghul again, he's got to be an Arabic guy. You bring in Talon, yeah. it's going to be somebody who's half Asian. Fuck, you yeah. bring in Bane, it's going to be somebody Latino. And then like even now, they're even casting what's typically white roles with other ethnicities, which yeah, is why Gordon. Jeffrey Wright, yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Wright is now Gordon. I, Zoe Kravitz Mark Maron did a really good interview with uh, oh, what's his name? Damn it, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, um, and they talk a bit about the Batman. Anyway, sorry. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll have to look oh, into shit. that. He's amazing. I he's did amazing. not know that. He's amazing. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't really give anything away. No, <laughs> no, he talks, no, he talks a little bit about like the experience of shooting with the people he's working with, and he's mm. just like, They're, we're having a ball. It's a blast. It sucks that we had to pause, but it's fine. And he's a bit of an activist, so he's like, fantastic dude. I Basquiat all the way was one of my most favorite films. Nice. Anyway, anyway, go ahead. I mean, I imagine that's what he's going to say. It's not like he's going to be like, oh, man, it was miserable. Thank God for quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to totally, go back in and totally. play Gordon again. So, yeah. like, it just made me like think a... that Matt Reeves is like really injecting it with something. I mean, it's a hope, you know, it's like this new blood and this. It is interesting to cast Gordon as an African American in these days where, not to get super political and stuff, but in, in the current right. climate, you know, where. Yeah. It very much feels like in us versus them. Very much feels like African Americans versus cops, uh, and everything, yeah. and what it must feel like as somebody who's both. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. if I'm gonna explore that in it, but I'm sure there might well, be some aspect to it. An interesting conflict. Sorry to cut you off. It creates an interesting mm-hmm. conflict because you know so much of like that that racial stuff that pops up in terms of with police and everything is. It's tough for people to be leaders, I think, who are African American because you skirt the line of being considered like going with the oppressors or whatever yeah so, the i think Tom there's an added dynamic to him being african-american mm. is what i'm saying yeah so that could yeah. be interesting but we'll see how much they explore that uh but yeah we are maybe 15 20 minutes into the movie and uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. hey it's fine with work. me i could do this forever <laughs> <laughs> but we covered all the major characters so next time when we when we come back we will uh go and explore more of the plot points and how they tie into stuff like the cult and the dark knight returns and nightfall and all those things but for now we're just gonna keep it uh we're just gonna wrap this up here on the characters but before we do wolfie what is our score in terms of comics versus movie i imagine we this got, is a very tight race yeah we got two for comics and none for movie uh and this one does that sound clear Wait, we, on, we only did two wait didn't we do uh robin it's definitely so I guess that would be for three, robin yeah. Yeah, yeah, none for movie. Three for comics, my bad. Sorry, I didn't write it down. Yeah, you're right. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Not looking good for the movie. <laughs> All well, right. I think a lot. It's so interesting how this, I never really thought about it. I was just like, oh, that's just the weaker of the trilogy, but it does kind of like bring up a lot of interesting points. And Yeah. And, and yeah, and it's it, kind of like, there, could, could you not have done just a little bit better? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, seriously, he he had the best at his disposal. Like this is yeah. like the the modern yeah. Kubrick, the the modern yeah. Spielberg in some way, the modern whoever you want to talk about. Like that's the top top yeah. director here. He's gonna mm-hmm. have his own Criterion Collection box sets if they still yeah. make those in the future. It's this fucking Nolan here, and this is what we get. This is this is not great. <laughs> yeah, to I be think honest, there's I a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I haven't seen a Nolan movie after this movie. Really? Not because not you because of personal. It's yeah, not because of personal <laughs> boycott. I've just never really been yeah. super interested in everything else. And then mm-hmm. after this one, I was kind of just like, eh, okay. Like, if I'm genuinely interested in the concept, then I'll check yeah. it out. Maybe yeah. I'll check out Tenet, but I don't know how much of me wanting to check out Tenet is because of seeing a Robert Pattinson movie before he becomes Batman. So, right. 
Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I just was only really into it because he was connected to Batman, and then now he's not. I'm just like, eh. The good thing I'll about John, that's good a thing about Dunkirk was that it was super simple. D- Dunkirk is super simple, and like usually and it's got his the plots are like overblown. Backing. Sorry, mm-hmm. his plots so overblown most of the time. But Dunkirk was like, yeah. ba- like back to basics storytelling, and I thought that yeah. was pretty pretty cool. So uh, anyway, what were you saying? Wolfie? Oh, but, but kind of going with, yeah, like, I think we were just saying kind of the same thing at the same time. Uh, I think, you know, Dunkirk had the historical kind of, like, quote-unquote rule set, we'll say, like, to work with, you know, which made it more simple. And he could tell a story where he, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, machination in the writing and such. Um, and in, Interstellar is mm-hmm. fantastic, but it does, ha- it I think, has a very divisive ending because you really got to either accept kind of what they're giving you or a lot of what the movie builds up from is a little bit compromised by the ending. So, I mean, I'm basically saying, like, you're probably not at a loss for not watching (laughs) some of the movies (laughs) after this. Interstellar is great. It's one of my favorite movies, but the ending is very, like, it leads you to wonder why you why that mm-hmm. movie was as long as it was right. in right. some sense. It's a but. bit long. It's a, it's a bit harder yeah. to chew. Dunkirk yeah. is actually kind of like a one of his lighter yeah. films in some mm-hmm. way. It's yeah, weird. which I think is more of a refreshing. It, it seems to me that Dark Knight Rises was a bit of a fatigue, an exercise of post-fatigue. Yeah. I just you know? don't think his heart was in it. I honestly, I honestly mm-hmm. don't think so, and I'll stand mm-hmm. by that, even if he says otherwise, because it's just it doesn't come across. The, like, the love yeah. for it doesn't come across that he had. There was a clear interest in Batman and Batman Begins. There was a clear interest in Joker and his effect and reimagining what you thought the Batman world was in The Dark Knight. And The Dark Knight Rises just kind of felt obligatory and phoned in where it was like, all right, I guess I'll just finish this thing off. What comics we got? All right, let's draw off of that. And then just that was it. And it's it's disappointing. And I kind of wish that he just said, you know what, that's just, that's it for me. Yeah. Like, I think that would be the ballsier move to just be like, you know what, if I'm not really down for this, emotionally yeah. afterwards and sure it might have risked the whole like oh well look at what happened when Burton turned it over to Schumacher but right. as we've seen when we looked over when we revisited those movies there was a lot that Schumacher did when he came in that Burton didn't do like that when you have another filmmaker come in sometimes you get a different perspective and it ends up helping uh, in some ways yeah. it might have hurt it in the long run but there's actually some stuff in there that uh, is underrated that isn't really recognized but uh, anyway like it's I kind of prefer that maybe it would have been Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and then, you know, someone else steps in and and does a few more movies with Bale. Like, who knows? But it it is what it is, for better or worse. You can find me as Ben Juan Ryder on Instagram. I also curate the Super House, or not Super House, the Superhero Stuff You Should Know, brought to you by Super House, uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at Superhero Stuff Pod on both. We're going to be changing that soon. Nice. Um, and then I'm going to be doing uh, some shout-outs across different social media accounts. So uh, we've had followers across all, but I usually just do Instagram. But we've had some who uh, are specific to certain platforms. Uh, one of them is a supporter named Ariel B, who uh, we talk to a lot on there. And uh, she's also definitely somebody who doesn't care for the whitewashing for Bane and Talia in this. So I thought I would dedicate this episode to her. <laughs> nice. Um, Fight the power. Yep. Uh, you, on YouTube, we've had some nice comments from a user named Shamrock Balls. <laughs> not lying. That's his name. Um, That's right. I've, seen, I've seen him. I've seen him. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, or ma'am, but I'm pretty sure you're sir. Uh, and then, <laughs> what gave uh, it away? <laughs> 
uh, as well as another user named John Wells. Thank you very much. And then on Instagram, we have Batfan Addict, which is another Batman-related uh, podcast. So we could potentially do a crossover there. And uh, another user named the underscore Zalewski as well. So thank you very much for uh, listening and supporting us. On to Andrew. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for that bat tutelage, Ben, once again. The bat toots. Bat toots. <laughs> and uh, if you could please go to patreon.com slash superhousepodcast and join the Shasta Army for just a dollar a month. That's our dollar tier. And uh, what you get for that is a shout out for now. And uh, we're going to be adding more to our uh, tiers soon. And then um, uh, shout out to Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, and Elijah B. Uh, please leave us a review in iTunes. And if it's possible, leave us a review in Spotify, because that's becoming a huge thing lately. And uh, if you could just also take out your phone and uh, open up your voice recorder app. In that app, record something like, I love superhero stuff you should know, or superhero stuff you should know is awesome, or something like that. And then click the share button and share that to the email superhousepodcast at gmail.com. That would be super. And then um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, please check us out on uh, youtube.com slash C slash superhousepodcast. Or just search for us there. We're everywhere. Um, thanks for everybody for uh, joining us via the Facebook groups lately too. That's been a huge help. And I think that's it for me. Signing off. Hey yo, hey yo. I'm Wolfie Krez on Instagram. Not a whole lot going on that pertains to the podcast, but if you'd like to see some of my photos, go check that shit out. I also run a group on Facebook called the Overly Critical Hyperanalytical Movie Club. Uh, forthcoming podcast based on that featuring superhero stuff you should know members um and that's about it come join the club come get into the conversation thanks ben yep uh and this is ben again you can find me on instagram at ben juan rider and that is it join us next time same bat time same bat channel ben signing off This has been brought to you by the Superhouse Podcast Network. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show uh, or the Superhouse Podcast Network, uh, go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash superhousepodcast. Superhouse Podcast.